<laughs> you see where the book of Micah is there on the left-hand side. Then we go to that gap, which is, right, that's about um, 700 BC. Then you've got the gap where the people were taken captive. And they were away, and then they came back to the land. Hold on. Um, and then on the, your left-hand side, we go over right towards where the cross is. The cross is the time of Christ. Just before that is where the book of Malachi is. And so it goes with Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Malachi. In that plan, they've put Malachi before Ezra and Nehemiah, or between them. There's a bit of argument about that, but most probably Malachi came after Ezra and Nehemiah. And so it's Malachi we're going to be looking at. Got that? Page numbers open? Then let me pray, because now I'm going to start. <laughs> All right, Heavenly Father, we do thank you. That you are a heavenly Father and you call us to know you and to love you and to serve you. And Father, you've given us your word to guide us and to lead us. And I pray that this morning you would take me and use me, that your word may come to us. And please open up our hearts and minds to respond to you with love and obedience for the glory of your name. Amen. Well, the picture was that after Nehemiah, he went back to Assyria and, and then when he, he returned he found things had happened that weren't supposed to happen. Israel had gone through a great spiritual revival. We'll see that in a few moments. But the, the whole nation had slipped away. It was seven, 15 years after the revival. And they had slipped away from their heart worship of God. They had coasted and compromised with the world around them. So easy for us to do that, isn't it? And our nation has done that. In doing that, the priests had watered down God's word. They still had their religion, but it had become a sham. Outward performance, but inward emptiness. So these five verses hit at the core of life. Who God is and who we have been made for. They give us the, these five verses give us the opportunity to examine our own being. Whose we are, or whose are we? Good question. That which controls your life will be a demonstration of your priorities. So as I said before, 300 years after Micah, we come into Malachi. The word Malachi means messenger. The, uh, he probably was alive during the time of that revival, which started on the 8th of October, 445 BC, under Ezra and Nehemiah. And it lasted. It lasted for quite some time. If you read Nehemiah chapter 8, it's an exciting chapter. You ought to go home and read it, uh, just to get the background. But the people afterwards didn't see what Ezekiel had promised. The promised king hasn't come. Jerusalem hadn't become the city of the great king. They had quickly lost a vital faith in God. And so by 430 years, about 15 years after the revival, Malachi writes this letter. There's just one question in the passage. The Israelites' question of God, how have you loved us? I want to you to reflect on that and your heart's response to it. But we must begin at verse 1. Okay. An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Now, last Sunday morning in our little um, youth group, the word oracle came up and it comes up here. 
one of the meanings that the dictionary gives to that word oracle is that an oracle is the vehicle of personal divine inspiration or revelation. In other words, it's God speaking to somebody and through somebody to someone else. But here, the original Hebrew gives it a really strong meaning. It's the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. The burden of the word of the Lord. For Malachi and the other prophets, it was a heavy burden to bring God's divine revelation to a people who were disobedient to God. It was heavy because, as you'll learn over the next few weeks, it was a message of impending judgment. But it was a burden to Israel. The burden of the Lord, the word of the Lord to Israel. And so it was going to be a burden on the people of Israel. Israel is God's people. And God's people right throughout history at different times need to come under that burden of the word of God. And it can apply to you and me. We need to pray for our ministers as they prepare that they will walk the straight line, that they will be obedient to God in the prayer and preparation and preaching of his word. Please do that. Please do that. But let me ask you, what does the word of the Lord mean to you? In your mind, in your heart, in your soul, what does it mean to you? Israel had compromised obedience to God's word. They had slipped into patterns of behaviour of the world around them and their priests were leading them astray, not being obedient to their calling. So what does the word of the Lord mean to you? What does the word of the Lord mean to you? Your attitude to God's word, your honouring of his word as the inspired word of the living God will demonstrate itself in your priorities. So I want to ask you just for a few moments, just to think for a minute or two, the Ten Commandments. In the Book of Common Prayer, we've got them in several spots. And it's good to have the Book of Common Prayer read down again. We'll probably have it next week, or part of it, or a modern version of it. The Ten Commandments. I'm the Lord your God. How do you, how do you go with this? This is just for you. I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. You I won't let, touch that again. You won't make yourself a graven image. You will honour the name of the Lord your God. You will honour your parents. You will not commit adultery. You, will not, you shall not commit murder. You know them. How are you going with it? What about the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labour and do all that you have to do. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall do no manner of work. You nor your manservice nor your maidservant nor the cattle that's within your gates. And God gives us two reasons for that. And I think in our society today, that's a big compromise that many people have made. What's your attitude to that? Your attitude to God's word, your honouring of his word, as the inspired word of the living God to have a bearing on our lives, will demonstrate itself in your priorities. So I ask you, what does the word of the Lord mean to you? But now let's go further on into verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? 
God answers, was not Esau Jacob's brother? The Lord says, we're going to go back onto that later on. I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you, says the Lord. Isn't that an awesome statement? Hello? Isn't that an awesome statement? I'm glad you're awake. It is an awesome statement. It's a powerful statement. I have loved you. What an amazing statement from the almighty God, the king of the universe, that he loves you with a special love. A unique love for his people. God had set his special love on those he had chosen to be his own. It's called God's electing love. Israel was those people. And yet they'd wandered far away from God. They'd taken him for granted. They'd slipped away from that close loving relationship with God. A relationship that he had made with them. And he had called them into that covenant relationship where he said, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. So my Christian friend, are you in enjoying your loving relationship with the living God? Are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying it? Or have you lost it? Do you remember when you first realised God loved you like that? For some of us it was a dramatic time. For others of us it was a growing realisation that God loved us. Do you remember how it changed you? Changed your attitudes? Changed your relationship with God? Changed your priorities? So you wanted to worship Him? You wanted to meet with His people? Do you remember that? Your first love with God? Maybe you haven't got there yet. Maybe you don't know God's love yet. We can know God like that. Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that word to know is to experience. To know in your heart and know in your mind. To experience God's love. To know him. And to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So my friend, if you're still looking for God, if you haven't got that love yet, and you haven't got that relationship with God yet, I urge you, don't leave today till we talk about it. Israel had wandered far away from that love with God. They were questioning God and saying, how have you loved us? Now you and I know, as we look back in the Bible, if we look back at that, that plan of that history, we'd know that way back from Adam and Eve, God then selected a people and came to Abraham and then he made a great promise with Abraham and then he fulfilled his promise through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and so on. And so God comes back to them, to that covenanted relationship that he had way back with, Adam, with, with Abraham. Well, back with the time of Malachi. Fifteen years on, after a great revival, where the love of God and the power of God had caused them to tears for three weeks. They had met together daily to read God's word for half a day. We read it for an hour and we're fed up, but half a day and they couldn't have enough. And they were told to stop crying, to rejoice because they'd come back to the living God. Now, 15 years on, they were disillusioned. God hadn't done what he'd promised. He hadn't done for them what they expected him to do. It seemed that God had forgotten them. 
Does that sound familiar sometimes? Has God not answered your prayers the way you expected him to? And you told him to? Sound familiar? There are many people who have turned to God and then after things don't happen for them the way they expect God to answer, they lose sight of God and they even feel that God doesn't care. Perhaps that's why you're here this morning because you want to know that he does care. Perhaps that's you this morning that have been struggling with some of the issues and God calls us back to him. The people of Israel had forgotten what God had done for them, so he reminds them of his special electing love from verse, the second half of verse 2 down. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. Sounds tough, doesn't it? And for many of us, and probably nearly all of us, at different times, that has caused a stumbling block for us. Because we have given a particular connotation to the word hate. You know, you can say, oh, I, I, I hate greasy chips. Or I hate onions. That hasn't got vehemence in it. The word hated here in passages, here in this passage and where Jesus also uses the same word, does not mean to despise or to judge as we would use the word. It's about God's electing love, his special love. It's a way of contrasting relationships. I've set my love on one, but I've rejected another. Just like when a couple set themselves apart for each other, They've rejected that intimate relationship with all others. It's the same with God and his people. Only his relationships for eternity. Do you see the difference? When we set ourselves apart for someone, we have elected and chosen to, be, to have that person as our partner. It's like that with God with us. He has chosen you and me to partner with him. The Bible actually uses the word adopted. It's a legal framework. In Galatians chapter 4, he's adopted us into his own family. We're legally his. And he's the one who's taken all the action to do it. We're the ones who are responding. And so it's God's choice to do this. It's called the, the, his electing love. Do you remember the story of Esau and Jacob? They were twins. Esau, born first, was entitled to the firstborn's blessing. This was a God-ordained thing. Yet he made light of it and sold his birthright to Jacob for a meal. Esau rejected, he rejected this birthright. What God had ordained, he rejected it for one simple meal that his brother had made. He made light of God's provision for him. Now Jacob didn't deserve God's love either. You know what he's called? The deceiver. That's what he was like until he met with God one night and everything changed for him. God had set his love on Jacob. 
Jacob was to be in a special relationship with God. A relationship meant that meant that Jacob was to call to love God, to honour God and to obey God with all his heart, mind, body, soul and strength. God called Jacob to love, honour and obey him. Just like a marriage commitment, isn't it? We're called to set ourselves apart for someone else. That's how God calls you and me into a covenantal relationship with him. To, to call us Christian. Christians, Christ's people, God's family. It's called God's a special love or his electing love. Back in the time of Moses, so that the Israelites didn't get all proud and puffed up that they were the select people of God, God brings them home to a few truths. And I want to read them to you. In, we could read stacks of them, but let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 9 first and verses 4 to 6. It's a challenge. After the Lord your God has driven them out, that's the enemies out before you, do not say to yourselves, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it's on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It's not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of their land. But on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he promised to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Understand then that it's not because of your righteousness that God, your, the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess for you are a stiff-necked people. Do you like that? Let's tell them off. But go back another chapter to chapter 7 and we read the, uh, to, in verses 6 to 10. I might not read all of it. God says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant to a thousand of love to a thousand generations of those that love him and keep his commands. Now you were the smallest of all people. It wasn't because you were anybody. You were nobodies. But God said, I chose you because I had made a promise, a covenant to your forefathers. And that's why they were chosen. Not because of anything in them. Not because Jacob demanded anything or deserved anything. Not that you or I deserve anything from God. Crumbs, we can't, can we? If God set his eternal love on some, and if he's provided all the means of coming into that loving relationship, how ought we to respond? How ought you to respond? How are you responding to God as his special person? Israel had forgotten. And here through Malachi, God reminds them that they were his people and of what he lovingly had done for them. How he had covenanted to love them despite themselves. As we look at verses 3 to 5, it all relates to the tribe of Esau. 
The Israelites became known as the Edomites, for that's where they settled in Edom, in the area of Idumea. Time won't let me go into that history. Just to say that when Israel was being attacked, um, the Edomites joined in with the attackers, virtually against their cousins. At another time, they too were run over by the Nabeanites, and then their land was destroyed as God's judgment on them. Friends, today, what is God challenging us with? What is God challenging you with? Is it not the same statement? I have loved you with a covenantal love. I have committed myself to you, like as in a marriage. The question is, how committed are you in your love for God? When doubts, hurts and disappointments hit, how has this or is this affecting your relationship with God? Sometimes it's very hard, isn't it? We seem to go through one thing after another after another. But how's it affecting your relationship with God? Does it call you to God to rely on Him more fully? Or has it turned you back, you're away from God? Have you seen that you think that God is not with you? That's a lie. Our troubles and our disappointments can be the very means of us growing closer to God. Remember his love for you. A love that meant that he sent his only son into the world to become a living sacrifice for you and me. Do you remember Jesus' words in uh, John chapter 15 where he said in verse 16, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you or ordained you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. My friend, how special that God has chosen you and called you to be his very own. The fact that you are here this morning is a mark of that. That you are listening to God's word and God is speaking to you through his word. In that New Testament reading that was, we had this morning, do you remember that passage in 1, 1 Peter chapter 2 where God says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. This is talking to God's people. Christian, this is talking to you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the wonderful praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not the people of God, but now you are the people of God. Oh, my brother and sister, doesn't that make a difference? Doesn't it make all the difference? Of course it does. Are you letting it make all the difference? What are you doing about making it all the difference in your life? Think about such a love. Of you being chosen by God to be his very own adopted child. That's very special to Sue and me. As many of you know, we have three adopted children, as well as three naturally born children. But our adopted children are our children. Very much our children. Very much our children. Think of such love of the Father. Think about him loving you so much that he sent his one and only son to be a sacrifice for you. Isn't that what John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if you, whoever believes in him, should not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world might live through him. Think about his love. You are chosen as his. Think about your saviour. When, the, when the times are hard, when the struggles are there, when you're down in the pits and you just don't know which way is up and it's dark, remember Jesus. Remember those words on the cross where he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Remember him. That cry was for you. Especially for you. He calls each of us to know his love, his intimate love, as well as his general love for all mankind. He calls you and me to know him and live for him. Remember and return. Friends, I want to ask you, can you save your commitment to God? I am his forever he will say to you I am yours forever I have covenanted to be your God be my people you know you didn't know me when I was a kid if God could save me he can save anyone if you wonder if God could ever save you don't doubt it look at Cornford If you saw him when he was a kid and you knew him in his early teenage years, you would say, wow, if God could save him. You know, there's a guy over uh, over here in Jamboree called Ray Swan. Ray was in the same year as me at school and he left school just before I became a Christian. And when I came down to your album, Parker, he heard that Cornford became a Christian. He just laughed. (laughs) Because he realised that God could do anything. (laughs) Ask Ray Swan. God says, I have loved you. I have loved you. Let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that in these little five verses this morning you take us to the core of our being, of whose we are or whose are we. Help us to reflect on those words that I have loved you. Your words to us, each one. And as we go out of here this morning, encourage us and bless us to move our feet in the path that you want for us, just one step at a time. And help us to cling to you, to hold on to you, to pray to you, to learn from you as we walk one day at a time for the glory of your name. Amen.